Greetings from the North Pole and welcome to Money MD. We're giving presents to all the boys and girls for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We've been making a list and checking it twice and delivering common sense solutions to all your complex problems. Naughty or nice. And now, here are my delightful elves. Oh, um, sorry, I mean doctors. That's right, it's Santa's big day coming up in just a few days here. A couple days, he sounds uh, happy. He sounds very happy. I wish we had happy news for him, but... Yeah, well, we do. We always have happy news. We have a little bit of happy news, and we're still waiting on Santa Claus rally in the stock market. (laughs) That's right. It's it's happening. It hasn't, well... It's time. Maybe a little bit. It is time for Santa (laughs) Claus rally. So, uh, yeah, so we are going to talk about the stock market. Obviously, we're in a stock market correction um, so we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what is Warren Buffett's playbook for market corrections? Because he has some great advice. He is like the most successful investor of all times. One of the most. Yeah. We'll put it that way. He's got a lot of great ideas. He does. So we're going to go over that. And that's a great place to start with, with the market where it is today. No doubt. And then we're going to follow that up with a uh, discussion about um, how to avoid mistakes and in investing. And this is a, a story from Chris Hogan from the uh, Dave Ramsey uh, group and just kind of going through one of his uh, situations. We see this, Steve, um, some of the mistakes people make in investing. And it's pretty interesting, his uh, his backstory on this. So uh, stick around for that. Yeah, that'll be good. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 23 years of experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website. It's moneymd.net. We have the podcast on the right-hand side of the uh, screen there. We also have a lot of videos and uh, tools, calculators out there. Go check that out. And Facebook pages, uh, posting something, uh, videos out there weekly. And uh, Matthew's out there tweeting. So we have a lot of good information out there on uh, finances. Yeah, do check us out. And also email us your questions. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. We'd love to hear from you. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, not the most uh, positive statistic we've ever given on the on the show here, but uh, it is a fact. It comes from the Social Security, and um, you know, 2018, Steve, will be the first deficit in the Social Security program since 1982. So that means the uh, the uh, the expenses, uh, you know, the paying out is is higher, just a little bit, not a lot. Um, than the income that that has been received. So we see a deficit first time in, um, you know, over 35 years. So it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> we right, expected it. Right. It's not, not a surprise by any Definitely. means. But. I mean, there's still there's still money in the uh, – it's just more money going out. There's still money in the trust sure, fund sure. that has built up over the years. And so, you know, don't panic if you're on Social Security. John's not trying to scare you here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's – it is, yeah. I mean, it's inevitable that eventually they'll have to make changes, but they're not going to change. I would be shocked, let me put it that way, if they changed anybody that's over, say, age 50, you know, their benefits. I think um, they're going to, they could adjust the inflation rate, you know, the calculation, right. you know, and so forth, but they're not just going to come in and cut your benefit by 50%. So, no. And then that's the problem when they start talking about Social Security and making changes. It becomes political and they try to scare people. And it just, I mean, it can be solved fairly 
easily if they sat down at the table and did some common they, sense solutions. Yeah, if they just adjusted the cost of living increase from, say, you know, 3% to 2%, you know, lowered it by 1%, that would probably fix the problem. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it really doesn't take a big tweak to, to fix this problem. Social Security is not, not any trouble. So we just bring that up as an interesting fact. Right? That's right. <laughs> Going on to more positive topics, right, Steve? Yeah, talking about more positive topics. The stock market. That leads us right into Warren Buffett's playbook for the market correction. That's right. We are in a market correction, as you know. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a rough year, you know, when you look back in the stock market. Um, but you know, these things happen. I mean, the market goes to this type of 10 to 15% drop about every year or two on average. It's really not unusual. I mean, the reasons behind it are always different, but the result is usually very similar. Um, and I think this volatility that we're seeing this year and, and, you know, particularly recently are, are, you know, based on maybe the trade issues, the government shutdown talks that we've been hearing, you know, interest rates mm. going up over the past year. I mean, but these things, they don't last forever. I mean, fact is, typically, I mean, history shows that typically market corrections like this start to recover in just a couple months. And we're already a couple months into this correction. This started back in October. So, you know, I mean, I just wanted to preface our conversations with that. You know, this is not like a dire correction. This is a pretty normal process, and unfortunately, we're in it. Yeah, and this is, I mean, the the Warren Buffetts and the Dave Ramseys of the world, they see the historical data that we do, right? Absolutely. And that's why they recommend people staying invested, being diversified, and not panicking, um, because this is a pretty normal event when you look back at history. It really is. So you, you have to have a cool head, and there's nobody that has a cooler head about these things than Warren Buffett. So this is his playbook, and this is based on an article out of Motley Fool um, earlier this year by Matthew Frankel. And um, But you know the stock market dropped into a correction back in October this year for the second time this year, in fact. and But it's now pretty deep in correction territory, about two months later into it. And in fact, most asset classes are actually in bear market territory, down more than 20% from their high. Um, you know, but perhaps there's no investor that's done quite as good a job of capitalizing on these types of corrections and crashes than Warren Buffett. So let's step back and take a look at, you know, from his experience, some of the things he has told his investors over time um, about market corrections and how to respond to them. In his letters to his shareholders, um, Buffett pointed out that market down market market downturns like this, they're inevitable. Um, and using his own company as an example, he said Brookshire itself provides some vivid examples of how price randomness in the short term can obscure your long term uh, growth in value um, or your perspective, if you will, for whether or not to invest. He said for the last 53 years, the company has built value by reinvesting its earnings and letting the compound interest work its magic. And year by year, we've moved forward. Yet Brookshire shares have suffered four truly major dips, he pointed out. Yeah, he went on to, to cite each of the the, the you know big um, drops, the four of them, including the one in 2008 in September. Um, all the way to March of 2009. That's when the shares, Steve, plummeted, Berkshire shares plummeted almost 51%. I mean, this is that's a great company. And major declines have, have happened before, and uh, they're going to happen again, he says. No one can tell when these are going to happen. Um, the light can can uh, 
can come on at any time and go from green to red without pausing at yellow. We've kind of seen that yeah, you know, definitely, this year. Definitely. Rather than uh, watch you know, the, the market closely and panic, um, he suggests keeping a level head, which is what we talk about quite often. Market downturns really offer extraordinary opportunities to those who are not handicapped by debt, he says, which brings up another important lesson. Never borrow money um, to buy stocks. That's very, very dangerous. Absolutely, yeah. So here are some of the best Buffett wisdoms, uh, you know, from his financial era crisis from 2008, 2009, his letters to the Brookshire Hathaway shareholders, um, as well as some of the more recent quotes that can help you see market corrections for what they really are and to use them to your advantage. First one here is corrections are normal and unpredictable. Um, you know, in recent years, the stock market has essentially gone straight up. You know, we've had some really good years and, you know, 2017 was a fantastic year. The market didn't, didn't have a correction anywhere during the year, anything close to a correction. Um, so this is especially true, you know, since the 2016 election, but as a result, many investors, they simply aren't, aren't used to seeing big market drops anymore. And additionally, you know, since major market indices such as the Dow, um, are significantly higher than they were, you know, during previous corrections, the numerical point drops sound a little scarier because they're bigger, mm -hmm. right? I mean, but however, it's important to point out that not only are corrections inevitable and unpredictable, but they're part of the normal market. Buffett said in his most recent letter to Brookshire Hathaway shareholders, the years ahead will occasionally deliver major market declines, even panics, that will affect virtually all stocks. No one can tell you when these traumas will occur. But, you know, the point is you need to stay invested, not panic, not react to it, and stick to your long-term plan. Yeah, there's a reason why the stock market has returned more than fixed income, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> Significantly more because it's more volatile. And uh, he also goes on to say a correction is like a sale in the stock market. And in 2008, the U.S. financial system appeared to be on the brink of collapse. And there, you know, a few stocks were immune uh, to the carnage. It really hit uh, pretty much every uh, sector and industry. And while it performed, you know, um, slightly better than the overall market, Berkshire was no exception. It was down more than 30 percent for 2008. And, um, you know, what's more, Berkshire's book value actually went down during 2008 for only the second time in Buffett's tenure. Um, now, we just mentioned a minute ago over that the entire bear market back in 2008 was down 51 percent very significant uh, piece of that. But he goes on to say a big part of the decline in the book value was poor performance in the company's massive stock portfolio. And in his letter to the shareholders detailing Berkshire's 2008 performance, Buffett addressed the decline in Berkshire's stock and bond investments. And he says, this does not bother um, Charlie Munger, who is one of the senior managers or, or myself. Indeed, we enjoy such price declines if we have funds available for increase in our positions. Long ago, Ben Graham taught me that price is what you pay, value is what you get. So whether you're talking about socks or stocks, I like he likes buying quality merchandise when it's marked down. And so view corrections as a sale on the stock market. And if you have a strategy and a plan, you can weather these events. It's not a surprise when they happen. Yeah, that's really good. Another point he makes is don't follow the crowd. Um, in Buffett's 2008 letter, he also said, beware the investment activity that produces applause. The great moves are usually greeted by yawns. The next year, in his 2009 letter, Buffett said to his investors, 
It's been an ideal period for investors. A climate of fear is the best friend, is their best friend. Yeah. yeah. He did. And um, he said, you know, those who invest only when commentators are upbeat end up paying a heavy price for meaningless reassurance. It's a known fact that the average stock investor underperforms the market over time. The primary reason moving in and out of their investments way too often, um, you know, causes you to lose value. And generally, you're doing it at the wrong times. When people see everyone making money from the rising markets, um, that's when they tend to throw every spare dime, every spare dollar into their investments. And when the markets drop like a rock, they panic. They sell their investments while they still can. In short, I mean, the concept of buy low, sell high is well known. It's the most basic goal of investing, but yet many investors do the exact opposite. You know, timing the market is generally a losing battle. But there are some good guidelines to follow that you should serve well, serve you well over over the long run. You know, when stocks seem to go nowhere but up. Nobody seems to be afraid of a market drop. and But that's the time to be cautious and conservative. On the other hand, when markets drop and volatility spikes like we're seeing today and people start to panic, that's when you shop for bargains. Buffett says, widespread fear is your friend as an investor um, because it serves up bargains for purchases. Um, so the lesson is, you know, don't follow the crowd. Look at a correction as an opportunity to add money to your portfolio, to buy when the market's down. It's not a catastrophic event. That's the point. Yeah, that's that's very wise coming from him. And uh, another one here on the list that he talks about is put yourself in a strong position. In his 2009 letter to shareholders, Buffett said, too big to fail is not a fallback position at, at Berkshire. Instead, we will always arrange our affairs so that any requirements for cash we may conceivably have will be dwarfed by our own liquidity. And Buffett went on to point out that during the financial crisis, Berkshire was a buyer. And while most other companies were panicking, Berkshire was completing deals and supplying capital to struggling businesses, which he probably made made out very well on when, when someone's struggling, you can raise a price on it. But um, put yourself in a good position. Yeah, absolutely. At any given time, Berkshire maintains at least $20 billion of cash equivalent assets. They say, you know, it's currently has well over a hundred billion dollars of cash assets. And this allows it the kind of financial flexibility to pounce on opportunities that come up. You know, for example, um, this is how Brookshire was able to invest five billion dollars into Goldman Sachs in September of two thousand and eight. And it's a move that generated billions in profit. Um, and as Brookshire said in early two thousand and ten, we put a lot of money to work during the chaos of the last two years. Um, so, you know, while I like to, he says, while I like to keep most of my capital invested, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, I do try to keep about 5% of my investable assets in cash and equivalents at all time for precisely the same reasons. So, you know, keeping some cash on hand will always allow you to take advantage of corrections um, without, you know, having to sell other investments. So, you know, you do want to have some liquidity in your situation. You don't want to have every dime invested, and particularly not in things that you can't get out of easily. Um, but to sum up, you know, uh, Buffett's uh, playbook for market corrections, you know, here are kind of what he says for corrections and crashes. Corrections are normal. They're unpredictable. Nobody's an analyst. The media or even Warren Buffett himself, um, you know, can tell you with accuracy when one will occur, 
Don't get upset or afraid when the markets drop. Instead, recognize what is really happening from a long-term perspective. The stock market is going on sale. That's what's happening. Recognize that. And whatever you do, don't panic and sell your stocks. When you see others panicking and the headlines say the market is in a tailspin, that's the time to look for bargains. Always try to keep some cash on hand so you're able to take advantage of the bargains offered by the market corrections when they occur. So those are Buffett's yeah. uh, playbook for bet, market corrections. I bet you could probably change that name to Dave Ramsey. He talks very similar very about similar. corrections and markets and uh, strategies and so forth. And uh, that's, well, that's what we believe in. That's what we do. Exactly. Good stuff. All right, and that leads us up here to the question of the week. This question has to do with um, uh, how much to save for retirement. It says, my wife and I make about 200000 per year. Is it okay to save 30% of it? And uh, it goes on to say, my wife says, I am too tight on money, and it's causing issues with our relationship. So ding, Ouch. ding, ding, ding. There's, Ouch. you know. Yeah, the first part I liked, you know, it's it's great if everybody's on board with that and you can afford it. But, you know, I mean, sounds yeah. like it's causing some consternation yeah. in the marriage. 30% is pretty, pretty strong. Uh, you know, 15% is what we recommend. It's what Dave Ramsey recommends. Um, you know, if there's some other priorities, maybe you have college out there. Maybe you want to pay off a house, do some other things, weddings, you know, so forth. Um, at 30% is probably crimping some of those other issues or those other, uh, you know, goals, which is is causing the relationship, um, you know, questions and issues. So uh, it's okay to save 30%, like you said, if you're both on the same page, but right. it's something you got to be, you got to sit down and do your budget on an annual basis and, and figure out what's more important, um, you know, paying for college or putting more in retirement. If you have the retirement where you need it through, you know, looking at retirement plans, then, then you may be saving too much. Yeah, well, you definitely need to be on the same page and have the same goals. So, um, but you know, being aggressive, saving's a great thing. If you again, if you can afford it, and you're not foregoing relationships and hurting, you know, the other major goals in your life. So, uh, keep it all in perspective. But um, you know, you do save hard. So that's that's a great question as to how far to go with that. Okay, and that leads us up to our next topic, and that is um, lessons from. Uh, my million dollar investing mistake, Chris Hogan. Yeah, Chris Hogan out of the Ramsey organization and a uh, great guy. If you've never heard him speak, he has uh, got a super deep voice and um, he goes, uh, he's kind of telling a story here. He says he's done his share of stupid things. I think he's been with Ramsey for about uh, 10 years or so. He said um, that's one of the reasons why he's so passionate about helping people. He wants to help people avoid mistakes and making poor decisions. Uh, there are a lot of ways that you can set yourself back five or 10 years with a bad decision. So he's going to, we're going to kind of go through a story that he uh, talked about recently. Uh, he was newly married, <clears throat> his wife and uh, he were both working, making really good money. They decided to dabble in a single stock. They did uh, AOL and uh, put $2,500 into it. And before he knew it, the stock had doubled and uh, it had uh, doubled again. And he had about $10,000 in that one stock. And nice. um, yeah, yeah. So he you know, thought they were winning. So he kept adding, um, you know, money to it, that 10,000 grew to 25,000. And, um, that was a huge amount for a newly married young couple. And they were sitting on the proverbial edge of a gold mine, right? Cause it's going to continue to double. Right? It's kind of like the suckers <laughs> game when you go to Las Vegas or, you know, you're going to come a, back and get you in a polar, <laughs> poker match and, you know, you start winning a few hands. You think, oh yeah, 
I got this. I yeah. got this. <laughs> yeah, you start feeling confident. And, you know, even though the money was in a single stock, it was a very large piece of their financial picture. And, you know, rather than getting some direction from a financial advisor or, or planner in the industry, he um, he said he thought he knew enough to manage the investment. And he firmly believed that um, if the stock had grown that much already, it had the potential to go through the roof. So what could go wrong, right? Yeah, AOL, big company, go wrong? Right. tech big, company, big stock. This is a while ago, but um, you know a lot could go wrong. And before long, there was a correction in the market, and the stock took a hit. And uh, rather than cut his losses and run, he decided to double down. Um, so he he uh, instead doubled his losses, and in the end, he lost uh, about twenty four twenty five thousand before he got out. And he did the math. And he said, if I had invested that twenty five thousand that I had lost in a mutual fund with a ten to twelve percent return. Uh, that money could have grown to uh, 168000 in about 20 years, and by the time he retired, it could have been a million dollars. So he said even now that stings a little bit. So he's got some lessons here, which we'll kind of go through. And the only thing that eases the pain of his loss is knowing that other people can learn from his mistake and avoid you know, some rash decisions that can cost you cost you big. And so here are a couple of things that he learned. He calls it in his stupid land, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good story because I've – I've certainly had, you know, before I got in this business, I, I dabbled in stocks and made some of those exact same mistakes. So I certainly know where he's coming mm-hmm. from here. So his first lesson really, I think, you know, rings very true. And, and his first le- lesson learned, and that is don't invest in single stocks. Oh, um, Steve. <laughs> there you go. CNBC <laughs> would not be happy with you. Yeah. Have, <laughs> heaven forbid, you know. <laughs> Uh, Jim Cramer would not agree, right? Um, yeah, I mean, we can't emphasize this enough. I mean, you're just asking for trouble if you put your money in a single stock. You know, I know you, you hear news stories all the time of people who invested in some previously unknown tech company that's now worth billions, and you think, you know, why not me? Well, you know, I mean, that just that the chances of that happening are astronomical. Yeah, it's right? like finding a needle in a haystack. Um you know, being a part of a, 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 you know, basing a large part of your financial future on these odds is not wise. Um, you know, plain and simple, you can't be any clearer than that. And I saw an article this morning about the, um, the S&P 500. There's over half the stocks are in bear market territory in the S&P 500. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you can certainly, the, the volatility in individual stocks are, are significant and um, very, very high. So, Stay away from individual stocks. It's very risky. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought they hit it big with Bitcoin, too. And uh, yeah. ouch, look at yeah. it this year. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about that over the last year. So, yes, we um, have. And the second one is kind of falls into the Bitcoin uh, theme is don't fall for a get-rich-quick plan. And um, he said his buddy convinced him that this was the deal of all deals. There was no way he could lose. Um, you know, the strong returns of AOL convinced him he was right. Um, he fell for the myth of the quick wealth. And he said it lulled him into a false sense of security, and it took huge losses to really shake him out of the slumber. Uh, he got impatient, and he was greedy, and he paid the price and lost a lot of money when he was young. Yeah, you know, if these overnight success opportunities really worked, you would hear about them every day. But the fact is you don't hear about them that often because they, they don't work. You know, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Building wealth is a slow process. It takes time and stubborn persistence to stick to a proven plan. You know, balanced investing in in mutual funds and in well-diversified portfolios, it's not flashy, but, you know, it won't make headlines, but it works. If you stick to your strategy, don't get sidetracked. 
you know, not only we make a good return when you're in corrections like we're in right now, they, they will come back with the market. Yeah, it, it always has. I mean, as long as you're diversified and uh, no one can tell you the timing associated with it. But um, don't. Yeah. I mean, Dave talks about, you know, building wealth is like a, a crockpot. You know, it takes time o- over time. And if you do the right steps, it uh, historically has done very well. So uh, the next one, the next lesson he has is um, don't give up when you do make mistakes. He said when he was looking at an empty bank account. After the AOL stock plummeted, he had two choices. He could wallow uh, in his self-loathing and, and, and regret, or he could pick himself up, learn from the experience, and get back on track. So um, notice that you know he's talking about when, not if you make mistakes, because we all make mistakes with money, right? We, we have to learn, and that's why the, the, the Ramseys of the world and the Buffets of the world, and quite frankly, what we try to do is educate you on mistakes that the industry that we see in the industry to keep you from making those mistakes. So don't give up a lot of, a lot of good, uh, for most people, a lot of good time and, and, uh, you can make some, some changes to your processes to get back on track. Absolutely. The next one here is get advice from experts. Um, you know, one of the reasons that he lost so much money is because he didn't get the help of people who knew, knew more about investing than he did. You know, he thought he could handle that. Um, you know, his young pride, as he says, get got in the way um, of him thinking that he, he he may have needed help. You know, if he had talked to someone, if he had listened to their wisdom, he might be a million dollars richer, you know, in retirement. Um, you know, so, you know, he can't you can't dwell on your past, but you can choose a different future, um, as he says. And that's why, you know, he meets with a financial advisor on a regular basis. You know, he says these people know investing inside and out. Um, that's the world that the advisors like us, quite frankly, live in. I mean, you know, it's our job, mm-hmm. obviously we're, we spend a lot of time at it and, uh, we read about it all the time. And so, yeah, an advisor can, can help you, um, keep you away from risky decisions, help steer you to wiser decisions. Um, and you know, can, um, help you rebalance your portfolio, suggest changes to your investments, explain the tax implications you'll face. I mean, there's a lot of different facets to investing, and managing your money. So you want to get some help with that, particularly whenever you're, you know, you start talking about some serious money. Yeah. And going through, um, you know, the, the markets we've talked about, what, what Buffett said, you know, just providing some education, um, you know, providing some perspective, making sure you have a plan that you're following. So, um, you know, he's coming out with a book, Steve, I think this is going to be pretty interesting. It's called everyday millionaires, how ordinary people build, um, built ordinary wealth and how you can too. So they surveyed the Ramsey organization, surveyed over 10,000 millionaires to discover the habits and practices that help those folks hit seven figures in, in net worth. And there, he says the answers might surprise you. I think it's coming out at the beginning of the year. So I'm looking forward to uh, reading that. I've, I've read a lot of the Ramsey books, as I know you're familiar with as well. So um, just, you know, you, you got to follow some of these. T- these are time-tested principles, right? Absolutely. And um, the things that Ramsey talks about and Buffett talks about, um, if you do what they're suggesting long-term, historically, it's worked out. Absolutely. Great advice. All right, and that leads us up here to our last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is um, kind of building off what uh, um, Chris Hogan was saying about um, you know looking at net worth of millionaires. Do a net worth statement um, for 2018. You're coming up on the end of the year here. A net worth is uh, simply looking at your assets uh, minus your liabilities. So your assets are um, you know your your yeah. your savings accounts, your 401ks, your Roths. Um, you can put cars in there and homes and you know other things that you own minus any debt that you have. If you have a mortgage or if you own credit card bills, 
and you can kind of see a, in a snapshot, and, and we do this on an annual basis. I know you do as yep. well, but you can see from year to year, and then you can go back five years and 10 years, and you can see the progress that you've made because uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're making progress when you're when you're on a monthly or even an annual basis. But if you put it in perspective, kind of gives you an idea of, hey, I'm making some progress. My assets are increasing, my liabilities are decreasing, and your net worth is moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's a key part of kind of your year-end routine, or it should be, you know. And I mean, as I mentioned to you before, John, I mean, I have a spreadsheet that I do. It's my asset inventory, you know, spreadsheet, if you will, but it's also a net worth statement. Um, And, you know, I update all my accounts and all my holdings and, you know, any liabilities, you know, every year. And it just gives you a great snapshot of kind of where you are, how it's changed from year to year, because I add a new column for every year. Mm And uh, just go down the list. And it also, you know, gives you an updated list, you know, for your spouse. Mm-hmm. In the event that something happens to you, you know, you both know where all that information is. All the account numbers are on there. So, you know, update that every year and and get yourself in, in a good position with your data, you know, so you know where you are and, and you know, so you, you yeah. have that information for your spouse. It can also help you do planning for 2019. Like what is your, your goals financially going to be Absolutely. in 2019? Do you need to increase your cash emergency fund? Do you need to pay off more debt? So as you go into to do your budget for 2019, the net worth statement can help you kind of guide what you should be focusing on. Yeah. It helps put everything in perspective and get you, get you teed up for next year. So great uh, prescription of the week. And it's so almost, that, almost time for that big day. Almost time for the big day. Yeah. Talking, to, yeah, it's Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> right that's the right. corner. Yeah. We're not thought, talking about Clemson football here. I thought you were talking about here. Clemson football. Oh, that's on. like, you're right. It's only a week away, John. <laughs> you know, that's right. But uh, there you go. All right. Well, this brings us to a close with this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 